on behalf of Owen, James and Libby, I would like to welcome you all here today to our service of thanksgiving for Kate Diver. We're here today to thank our God and Father for Kate Diver and to pay tribute because her life on earth was lived to exalt her Saviour and her King, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're also here today to stand alongside Owen, her husband, the love of her life, and their two children, James and Libby, and of course their wider families. We're also here today to thank Almighty God for giving us Kate, whose life and love and laughter and loyalty was such a blessing to so many over her life lived to the glory of her God. Please join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come here today to thank you for Kate and that through your grace her life and her love and her care and her compassion and kindness and humour touched so many, many lives. We thank you for her compassion. We thank you for her wisdom. We thank you for her tenacity to keep on keeping on through all the changing scenes of life. Thank you for your grace that filled her soul with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Thank you that she is now home with you. Heavenly Father, please comfort us today and tomorrow and every day as only you can. And Heavenly Father, please draw near to those who know and love Kate the best. Grant them the grace to hold in their hearts treasured memories of her that will bring joy through the tears and hope through dark days. And this we pray In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please. I said turn this up before. Awkward. Please stand and sing, Thine be the glory.
Take your seats. Here's the question. Today and next year and in five years' time, how will we remember Catherine Emma Diver? There's a lot that's memorable, isn't there? I'm sure we will remember some of her life story. Uh, Mum never had an entry in Who's Who, um, but if she did, it would have read something like this. Name, Diver, Catherine Emma, nay, Hart. Born, 19th of April, 1955. Daughter of Leslie Alfred William Hart and Winifred Ethel Hart, nay, Askew. Married, 1976, Owen Joseph Diver. One son, one daughter. Education, Middlesex Hospital, registered nurse. Staff nurse, 1976 to 1980. Full-time mum, 1980 to 1989. Classroom assistant, 1989 to 1994. Healthcare assistant, 1997 to 2000. Recreations, gardens and gardening. Loving her church family. Hospitality and defying convention. (laughs) Those would be good things to remember. But I don't think they quite take us to the heart of mum. So perhaps we will also remember her style. Uh, Mum's style was, uh, let's be honest, distinctive. (laughs) Um, A few years ago I heard a story, story that summed this up. Uh, At the end of church one day, a concerned friend approached her and said, Kate, you look very pale. Are you okay? And Mum's reply was something along the lines of, oh, uh, thank you, It's, it's very kind of you to notice. Yes, I'm fine. I'm trying to look like a corpse today. And so when you open her wardrobe, there are yards and yards of black. Um, I did manage to find a little red, presumably to help us think of blood, Um, but mostly it's all about black. It's little wonder then that the cards and emails we've received these last few weeks have referred to her as the oldest goth I knew, goth granny and monochrome granny. But of course her style wasn't just about what she wore, it was also about what she did Uh, Mum was the only person I knew who bought a friend's baby a Mexican Day of the Dead baby grow. Apparently um, the baby and the parents loved it. Um, She was the only person I knew who got up in the middle of the night to shave off most of her hair with Dad's clippers whilst he was fast asleep. And nobody, nobody thought she was having a midlife crisis. And she was definitely the only person I know who loved to have her photo taken lying on gravestones and mausoleums. And yet, as one friend wrote, ironically, given her love of black, she made the world a brighter place. 
she was still, quote, a ray of sunshine. Her mum's style was certainly distinctive. And yet to remember her well, we also need to remember her passions, her many and varied passions. Her love of pre-Raphaelite art and Victorian poetry. Her delight in her grandchildren and especially in snuggling them at every and any opportunity. Her devotion to Manchester United, especially in the glory days. Her enduring commitment to her church family and to teaching other women from the Bible. And Boris Becker as a young man. And of course, gardens and gardening. Um, I remember mum getting into gardening when Lib and I were little children. Um, The garden then was mostly laid to lawn with uh, little borders around the edge. And her growing enthusiasm and expertise showed itself in the slow but unstoppable erosion of that lawn. The borders got bigger and more lush. The variety increased. The plants grew taller and taller. And then one summer, I came back home to find that it had finally happened. All the remaining lawn had been suddenly consumed in a kind of feeding frenzy of grasses and hostas and tetrapanaks. Mum really was passionate about her gardens, about her allotments and about visiting gardens. But she was even more passionate about people, about her her family, her her church family, her friends. It's time for a confession. And please don't take this personally. As I look around, there are lots of you I just I just don't recognise. But I bet I've heard your names. Those mum loved, she loved to speak of warmly, naturally, joyfully. Mum was passionate about people and that passion ran wide and her passion for people also ran deep her love for us her care of us um, the way she nurtured us and sought to see us flourish was was remarkable and she did this in in so many ways didn't she Uh, she taught us she was a good example she encouraged us and trained us She corrected us, and sometimes, let's be honest, when we needed it most, she just told us off. And again and again and again, she patiently provided practical help. Um, I bet the truth is that individually, none of us even know the half of it. Uh, In the crypt of St Paul's Cathedral, there's a, a monument stone to the architect, Sir Christopher Wren, And the epitaph is simple. If you seek his monument, look around you. Given her passion for people, it would be tempting to apply this to mum today. If you seek her monument, look around you. But even this doesn't take us right to the heart of who Catherine Emma Diver was, to what she would really want us to remember of her. Mum never really discussed her own death or funeral wishes with us. The only thing I can remember her saying was this, don't make my funeral all about me. And she would quote John the Baptist, um, who said, he, the Lord Jesus Christ, he must become greater, I must become less. Those were her only instructions. You see, Mum wanted us to see through her, through her love and care and what she taught, to the living God, to the God who loved her, who had come for her, who had died to rescue her, the God she joyfully submitted to and devotedly served. And so as we remember all the good things about mum, she would also want us to think of her as a signpost a signpost pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ, one infinitely greater, more sacrificial, more loving and 
tender and glorious than she could ever be. A signpost with only two words on it. Follow him. As in life, so in death, Catherine Emma Diver, she points us to the Lord Jesus and urges us today to follow him. Friends, alongside everything else we remember, let's remember that. James, we're going to sing again how deep the Father's love for us. And following this hymn, uh, Reverend Mark Sewell will come and read from Scripture and lead us in prayer.
We're now going to hear from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Shall we pray? God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words. And we praise and thank you for these truths, these promises. We thank you for how deep your love for us is, how vast beyond all measure. Thank you for giving your Son to be our Savior. We praise you for this, your greatest gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, for sending him in gracious love to be our sympathetic high priest and to become our perfect sacrifice on his cross, providing forgiveness for our sins. Father, we thank you. That by that same grace, you are the, the one who provides every good and perfect gift. We thank you for the amazing gift of life. That each of us enjoy. And specifically today, we thank you for the precious gift of the life of our dear sister, Kate Diver. Lord, we thank you for blessing her. With so many gifts, with the gifts of loving family, especially a loving husband and children and grandchildren. For the gift of good friends and good churches with him to grow in grace and serve among. Thank you for blessing her with that rare blend of wisdom and humor, of seriousness and fun of a deep respect for your word and a real care for others, of love of this life and the gifts you gave her, but even greater love for you, the giver of all good gifts. Holy God, we do thank you for graciously drawing Kate to faith in Jesus Christ as her Savior. Thank you for that grace of conviction of sin, and of repentance that drew her to you. Thank you for the gift of new life in Jesus and guiding her into a life of faithful service in you and to you. And we thank you for proving yourself ever faithful to her. Loving Father, thank you for drawing, caring, and keeping Kate close to yourself through times of struggle, and times of joy. We thank you that though Kate had to pass through such a dark valley, you stayed close by her side and carried her through. And thank you that you've brought her safely home to you now.
And that now more than ever, it is truly well with her soul. As she gazes in your face. And enjoys your embrace. Father, we thank you too for the many blessings you shared with us through Kate. For all you showed of yourself to us through her. For the bonds of love and friendship we were privileged to enjoy. Thank you for every treasured memory that we have of Kate. Please, will you allow these memories to continue to warm our hearts. And to remind us not only of her, but also of you and your goodness. Both to her and to us through her. And dear Lord, as we remember Kate with such deep fondness. You know, we will also miss her deeply. Please grant us all, especially Owen, James, Libby, their families, deep comfort in our sadness. Please bind up our broken hearts in your love. Today we thank you, God, all the more for the provision and promise of that coming resurrection and reunion in glory. Proven in the resurrection of Christ. For all who have turned to you by faith in Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit, we do pray, please so graciously work to lift our hearts and our eyes. That each of us here might take hold of that great promise by faith. Afresh or even for the first time. And so please meet us in our grief with great encouragement. And eternal hope in Jesus, our Savior and Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing another song that speaks of the great peace that comes from knowing Jesus as our Savior. And that in Him it is well with our soul. If you're able, please stand as we sing.
Please do take your seats. And let's read together now the reading that is printed in the order of service, taken from John chapter 11, verses 17 to 44. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I first met Kate and Owen around seven years ago when my wife and I stayed with them uh, here in Flittick before I was called to be the pastor at New City Church in Milton Keynes, which was then called Britain Grove Baptist Church. Instantly, Amy and I knew that we had found a good friend. She was hospitable, uh, a warm host, a great cook, a wonderfully sharp sense of humour, And it was immediately obvious to us that Kate wasn't someone who followed all the social norms that you usually find in evangelical churches. And we loved her straight away. And since then, Kate has been one of my biggest supporters and encouragers. I will miss her vigorous nodding while I'm preaching and her saying to me afterwards, well done, young man, giving me a big (laughs) hug. And Amy and I already miss deeply. 
one of our closest friends and a dear sister in Christ. Uh, So it's a privilege to say a few words this afternoon about Kate and especially about her faith. When someone close to us dies, it brings home the reality of death in a way that nothing else does. And when it comes, we may find ourselves asking through our tears, what's death all about? What's beyond the grave? Kate and I shared a love for desserts. In fact, the last time I was with her, we enjoyed a bowl of apple crumble and custard, and it was very tasty. But in our view, the best meals are the ones with a dessert spoon on the table. Because the dessert spoon tells you that the best is yet to come. There is more to come. And no matter how good the main course is, the dessert is always the main event. Well, as we reflect on death this afternoon, I would like to offer you a spoon. Uh, In fact, it's Jesus who offers it to us. Uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, told us that death isn't the end. There is more to come. He proved it with his own life and he warned us to be ready for it for when it comes. And I can tell you confidently, as you've already heard, that Kate was ready to meet her Lord. And the question she would absolutely ask us if she was with us here this afternoon is, are you ready to meet him too? Uh, In John's Gospel, we've just heard that Jesus attended the funeral of a man named Lazarus. Uh, Listen to the words he said to his sister again. Uh, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And there are two important things for us to see here. First is this. Jesus gives life beyond death. Jesus gives life beyond death. Uh, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Now that's quite a claim to make, isn't it? But then words are easy, aren't they? Easy to say something like that. It's like the phrases you find in some bereavement cards. Those we love never really leave us. The problem with that, of course, is that it's not true. And that's what makes death so incredibly hard, easy to say. But here, Jesus doesn't offer empty words of false comfort. Rather, he is prepared to say, I am the resurrection and the life. And not only is he prepared to say it, he's prepared to prove it. And so at his request, Mary and Martha take Jesus to the tomb of their brother Lazarus, where he was laid four days previous. He asked for the stone covering the entrance to the tomb to be rolled away, and he stepped forward, he prayed, and then he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, and he said, Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus can stand in the face of death, and command the dead to live. I am the resurrection and the life, he says. And he proved it. He is the one who promised, the one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he demonstrated his power to raise the dead back to life. Jesus sets the table of life And he lays out a spoon. A promise that there is more to come for those uh, who come to him. And Jesus is the only one who can offer us the promise of life beyond death to you and me today. Because he himself made it possible. He died on a cruel cross for our wicked rejection of God. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose victorious. And he was witnessed physically alive on many occasions by those who wrote these things down for us. And now, Jesus promises this life to all who believe. And so his question to Martha echoes down through the ages, even to us in this room this afternoon. Do you believe? believe this 
The wonderful news that I can share with you all today is that Kate Diver believes this with all her heart. Even as the effects of the brain tumour took hold and her memory became increasingly muddled, she was still able to express her deep faith in the certain hope of the gospel. And so for Kate, that life in the presence of Jesus has now begun and she is more alive than ever because she lived believing that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so I repeat this question to you all this afternoon. Do you believe this? All who believe and act upon these words of Jesus will enjoy this life along with Kate. Jesus gives life beyond death. And the second thing is this. Jesus gives life before death. Jesus gives life before death. I am the resurrection and the life, he said. The one who believes in me will live. We don't have to wait for death in order to enjoy the life that Jesus offers. Rather, if we live believing that Jesus died and rose again, we need not live in fear of death. Jesus promises that all who believe in him will live today. Because Jesus is taking us to the very heart of what true life is. He said elsewhere, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So life, true life, is defined by a relationship with the true God who gave us life in the first place. To know him is to truly live. The God that we reject offers a living relationship with him through the forgiveness that only Jesus can give. To enjoy life before death is to know the delight of God's forgiveness and his presence with you each moment. And I can tell you with some confidence and experience that this brings greater joy than any pudding or cake or chocolate that Kate or I ever enjoyed together. Kate knew God through Jesus, which meant that she had true life here on earth. She had true joy. She had true hope. The news of her illness was a massive shock to us all, especially when it became apparent that she wasn't going to recover from it. And it's true that there was treatment that could have prolonged her life a little longer. But Kate always said that life on earth shouldn't be sought at all costs. And the reason she said that is because she believed with all her heart that true life means knowing God through Jesus Christ. Kate knew God. She trusted Jesus. And so she had true Life And now she knows God perfectly and she has perfect life with him. Kate knew that she wasn't perfect. She made mistakes like the rest of us. She knew the reality of her sin and how she failed her Lord. And yet she lived with the joy of his ongoing forgiveness and his presence in her life. And so the follower of Jesus, like Kate, has the best of both worlds. They have a living relationship with God now and an eternity with Jesus in heaven forever. That doesn't mean that when we die we go off to live on a cloud playing a harp and it's all fairies and and wings and whatever else. Uh, No, but it's rejoicing in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords forever. The Bible pictures it as the greatest party of all time with the best food and drink that you can ever imagine. You see, no matter how good the main course of this life may be, life with Jesus forever is the main event. So at this time of grief, we need hope that can't be snatched away. Such a hope can be found in the arms of Jesus alone. Do you believe this? There's no greater comfort than I can offer you as a minister of the gospel. And Christ offers you this eternal life today. All you have to do 
is ask him in prayer and receive it. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? We'll close our time singing the words of this great modern hymn. The final verse says, No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hands till he returns or calls me home. Here, in the power of Christ, I stand. take your seats as we close in prayer let us all pray Jesus said do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in God 
Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Father, we praise and bless and adore you, that whilst we do grieve, being separated from Kate in this life. We know that this separation, though painful, is momentary when weighed on the scales of everlasting glory that Kate is enjoying with you right now. So, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.